I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, But in there somewhere and all that is a a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, uh, and welcome to the uh, haunted Leaves of Glen Mansion. You can tell by the new music that it's October. It's October 1st, and, uh, oh, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and we're, uh, we're, we're going to be celebrating the month of October by reading spooky stories. After that, uh, back to the judgment on Janice. Uh, it's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a creepy mansion, not just recording in my already creepy basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, uh, we're continuing to read The Spectre Bride by William Harrison Ainsworth. Want to hear about the author? Sure. William Harrison Ainsworth, born February 4th, 1805, and died 3rd of January, 1882. Nice long life. Uh, was an English historical novelist born at King Street in Manchester. He was trained as a lawyer, but the legal profession held no attraction for him. Uh, while completing his legal studies in London, he met the publisher, John Ebers, and at that time, manager of the King's Theater, eh? Haymarket, uh, Ebers introduced Ainsworth to literary and uh, dramatic circles and uh, to his daughter, <laughs> who became Ainsworth's wife. Uh, Ainsworth briefly tried the publishing business, but soon gave it up and devoted himself to journalism and literature. His first success as writer came with Rookwood uh, in 1834, which features, uh, features Dick Turbin, huh? everyone's familiar with that, as his leading character. Uh, a stream of 39 novels followed, at which last appeared in 1881. Ainsworth died in Regate on the 3rd of January, 1882, and was buried in Kensal Green Cemetery. Uh, Fun facts, I actually have something I want to talk about besides just reading more fun facts here in my new creepy, uh, spooky, abandoned drawing room. Uh, This weekend, uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will no longer be a divorcement. My big bit for the longest time was that uh, I'm divorced and unemployed uh, middle-aged man. Now I'm just a middle-aged man. I got a job a year and a half ago, the same job that laid me off. And then now uh, I'm getting married. Or by the time you hear this, I'm married. That's good news, isn't it? That's also the reason why I'm going to celebrate by reading The Spectre Bride. Eh, That's fun. That's a fun little twist. Uh, Downside of this uh, wonderful magical weekend is uh, that my 26-year-old cat kind of seems like he's on his last legs. Uh, He's uh, up there right now, kind of just laying on a blanket, and it's uh, pretty sad. Uh, He's getting worse, which, of course, is the worst possible time because I just want to put him on my lap and snuggle him until his last moment, but uh, there's a ton of shit to do because I'm recording before we get married, so by the time you hear this, I'll be married, and uh, there's a chance that my best buddy for for 26 years uh, has probably passed on. So, that kind of sucks. There's a happy thing going on, tinged with horrible shit. Uh, Other news? 
The Germans came into town this uh, last week, and we spent the whole week hanging out every day, having the time of our lives. And having that much fun all the time is exhausting. I am literally exhausted. Oh, they're fun. I'm not regretting a moment of it, but my God, I spent... 90% of my time sitting in a chair doing my work in the basement because I work from home. And then the other uh, 10% just sitting on the couch next to my soon-to-be wife uh, watching TV. And now suddenly we're on the go, running around all over the place, eating fine foods and celebrating with wine. Eh, But now I'm just exhausted because I'm used to being lazy as hell. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm done, but the clock hasn't gone off yet. That's annoying. What am I going to do? Read a fun fact now? I got nothing else to talk about. Uh, all the fun jokes about the uh, cat peeing and pooping in places he's not supposed to. It's just sad now because he's uh, upstairs uh, withering away. Uh, any other fun stories? Uh, no. Uh, people are nice. I've been having a nice time with everyone being nice leading up to the wedding. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I got nothing to crab about. I can't crab about the dying cat. That'd just be evil. So I don't really know where to go with it. Oh, oh, that's right. There's a crow. Oh, great. Well, that's part of the creepy theme. With that, why don't we start reading The Spectral Bride? Music, huh? Little, little, little clavicles. I don't know what the hell that little knocking sound is, but that's a lot of it. little wolf howling in the background. I'm sure by the end of the month, both you and I are going to be completely tired of this music I picked out. I don't think I made a good choice, but in either case, uh, why don't we dive into the story? Uh, the Spectre Bride by William Harrison Ainsworth. The Castle of Hearn's Wolf. That's weird. At the close of the year, 1655 was the resort of fashion and gaiety. Oh, oh, the baron of that name was the most powerful nobleman in Germany and equally celebrated for the patriotic achievements of his sons and the beauty, the beauty of his only daughter. The estate of Hearn's Wolf, uh, which was situated in the center of the Black Forest, that's pretty cool, had been given to one of his successors by the gratitude of the nation. This is a lot of information. I feel like it isn't going to pertain to the actual part of uh, a bride being a specter. And descended with the hereditary possessions of the family of the present owner. We get it. He's very rich and famous. It was castellated, castellated, uh, a gothic mansion. I'm not reading this on a Kindle, so I can't look up what castellated is. I guess they just said, officially, this is a castle. Built, according to the fashion of the times, in the grandest style of architecture. and consisted principally of dark winding corridors, huh? In vaulted tapestry rooms? Magnificent indeed in their size, but ill-suited to private comfort from the very circumstance of their dreary magnitude. A grove, a dark grove of pine and mountain ash encompassed the castle at every side and threw an aspect of gloom around the scene, which was seldom enlivened, enlivened, enlivened. Why don't I know what that word is? I've seen this word before. I've said it with my mouth before. And by the, the cheering sunshine of heaven, the castle bells rung out a merry peal at the approach of a winter twilight, and the, and the warder was stationed with his retinue on the battlements to announce the arrival of the company who were invited to share the amusements that reigned within the walls. The lady Clo- Clotid- Clotilda? 
Clotilda, the Lady Clotilda, the Baron's only daughter, had but just attained her seventeenth year, and a brilliant assembly was invited to celebrate the birthday. Oh, the large vaulted apartments were thrown open for the reception of the numerous guests, and the gaieties of the evening had scarcely commenced uh, when the clock of the dungeon tower uh, was heard. Why do you have a dungeon tower? Just a tower with people being tortured in it? Uh, Heard to strike with unusual... Why would you put a clock on top of the Tower of Pain? Unusual solemnity. Oh, unusual solemnity? Like, normally, it's like, oh, that's pretty solemn. Ooh, today it's really solemn. I guess all the suffering people all down its base are influencing the chimes. And on the instant... A tall stranger, arrayed uh, in a deep suit of black, made his appearance in the ballroom. Oh, he bowed courteously on every side, uh, but was received by all but the strictest reserve. No one knew who he was or whence he came, but it was evident from his appearance that he was a nobleman of the first rank. And though his introduction was accepted with distrust, he was treated by all with respect, and he addressed himself particularly of the daughter of the baron, and was so intelligent in his remarks, so lively in his sallies, see, I'd looked that up, but can't, not a Kindle, and so fascinating in his address that he quickly interested uh, the feelings of his young and sensitive auditor in fine... After some hesitation on the part of the host, who, with the rest of the company, was unable to approach the stranger with indifference, he was requested to remain a few days at the castle, an invitation which was cheerfully accepted. The dead of night drew on, uh, and on all had retired to rest, the dull, heavy bell was heard swinging to and fro in the great tower. It's probably just people trying to escape. They worked their way up to the top. Uh, though there is a, scarcely a breath to move the forest trees. Many of the guests, yeah, that just shows that people are trying to escape. Many of the guests, when they met the next morning at breakfast, uh, they averred that there had been sounds as the most heavenly music. While all persisted, that's probably the free people just singing, uh, while all persisted in affirming that they had heard awful noises. Proceeding, as it seemed, from the apartment which the stranger at the time had occupied, he soon, however, made his appearance at the breakfast circle. And when the circumstances of the preceding night were alluded to, a dark smile uh, of unutterable meaning played around his saturnine features. When he relapsed into expression of the deepest melancholy, he addressed his conversation principally to Clotilda. I want to say Clotidia. I don't know why. Clotilda. And when he talked of the different times or climbs, the different climbs he had visited, of the sunny regions of Italy, where the very air breathes the fragrance of flowers. I was in Italy. There was nothing. There was no fragrance in the air. And the summer breeze sighs over the land of sweets. They grow, they grow candy. And when he spoke of her, those delicious countries, where the smile of the day sinks into the softer beauty of the night, and the loveliness of heaven is never for an instant obscured, He drew tears of regret from the bosom of his fair auditor, and for the first time she regretted that she was yet at home. Days rolled on, this guy won't leave, and every moment increased the fervor of the inexpressible sentiments with which the stranger had inspired her. He had never discoursed of love, but he looked in his language, in his in his manner, in his insinuating tones of voice, and of the slumbering softness of his smile, and when he when he found that he had succeeded in inspiring her with uh, favorable sentiments, hmm, a sneer of the most diabolical meaning spoke for an instant, and died again on his dark featured countenance. Oh, when he when he met her in the company of her parents, he was at once respectful and submissive. 
And it was only uh, when he alone left her that, in the ramble through the dark recesses of the forest, that he assumed the guise of a more impassioned admirer. He was sitting one evening with the Baron in the waistcoated apartment of the library. Uh, the conversation happened to turn upon supernatural agency. The stranger remained reserved and mysterious during the discussion. And when the Baron, in a jocular manner, <laughs> denied the existence of spirits uh, and satirically mocked their appearance, his eyes glowed with an unearthly luster, and, and, and his form seemed to dilate to more than its natural dimensions. When the conversation had ceased... A fearful pause of a, oh, I don't know, a few seconds, and a chorus of celestial harmony was heard peeling through the dark forest glade. All were entranced with delight, but the stranger was disturbed and gloomy. Oh, he looked at his, at his noble host with compassion, and something like a, I don't know, ah, a tear eh, swam in his dark eye, and after the lapse of a few seconds, the music died gently in the distance, and all was hushed as before. The Baron, uh, soon after, uh, quitted the apartment and was followed almost immediately by the stranger. He had not long been absent when an awful noise, as if a, a person in agonies of death, was heard, and the Baron was discovered stretched dead along the corridors. His countenance was uh, convulsed with pain, uh, and the grip of a human hand was visible on his blackened throat. The alarm was instantly given, and the castle searched in every direction, but the stranger was seen no more. The body of the Baron in the meantime, was quietly committed to the earth, and the remembrance of the dreadful transaction recalled, but as a thing that once was. Eh, so he killed the Baron because he said something about ghosts? He's making jokes about ghosts? And he's like, oh, you're dead, and he killed him? That's the weirdest thing I ever heard. Well, there's three stars, so I guess this is like kind of a chapter. After the departure of the stranger, or the departure of the stranger, who had indeed fascinated her very senses, oh, the spirits of the gentle Clot Clotilda, evidently declined. She'd loved to walk early and late in walks, and that he had uh, once frequented to recall his last words. The guy who most likely killed her husband uh, to dwell in his sweet smile, really, and to wander the spot where she had once discoursed with him of love. She avoided all society but never seemed to be happy but when left alone in the solitude of her chamber. Oh, she's moping. And then she last gave vent to her affection and tears and the love that the pride of maiden modesty concealed in public burst forth eh, in the hours of uh, privacy. So beauteous, yet so resigned was the fair mourner that she seemed already an angel freed from the tremels eh, of the world and prepared to take her flight to heaven. That seems a good spot for us to... Uh, go up to the uh, haunted... Wait, what notes? I made a note. Uh, uh, come on, we're in the library of the damned. Oh, the master bedroom of the grotesque. Let's go up to the master bedroom of the grotesque where I have a waterbed filled with blood and also satin sheets and it's heart-shaped, so it's a lot of fun. And we can go up there and we can uh, get a little little sassy, a little naughty, can fuss and fight a little bit and I will read to you uh, about the latest in romance literature from Penguin Random House Books. But, uh, oh, wait, I'm, uh, I'm married now. I can't do that kind of shit anymore. I can't take you up to my bedroom anymore like I used to. I'm gonna have to find a whole new bit, which is horrible, because I'm not gonna cheat on my wife with you. It's not like you have a long history of doing anything sexy when we get up there anyways. So, uh, instead of, uh, going up and doing the naughty, which you always suck at anyways, why don't we listen to this commercial together?
This is a play. Randy's brand new thing. Hi, I'm Randy. Can I help you? Harry, it's Randy. Hey, he looks just like he sounds. Say brand new the way you do in the commercial. Randy? You'd be amazed how compelling a creative radio commercial can be. They must cost you a fortune. No. No? No. no. Radio costs a lot less to produce than TV commercials. Well, and radio right. time is a lot less, too. Was that a tuba you used on that oh, one? Oh, you caught on, did you? Oh. Are you a working couple? Oh, yes, I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. You know, oh, that's interesting. Pretty radio advertising that. is the medium to use for getting to professional women and working couples. That's us. You like the commercial, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen to the radio next week. Randy's brand new surprise week. Ooh. And you know part of the surprise? What? I recorded all this. I'm going to use this as a radio commercial for next week. Honey, we're going to be in showbiz. You no, know, better than showbiz. You're going to be on the radio. Radio. Red hot because it works with couples who work. They're your prime customers today, and radio fits their busy lifestyle best. The Radio Advertising Bureau can send you more facts. This station can send you more customers. Well, that was problematic. Uh, they, the guy sounds depressed saying that he's a male nurse. And then on top of it, uh, they, he says, I'm going to have this whole conversation be a commercial against your will. But they love it. Oh, they think radio commercials are just the coolest thing. Well, all right. Since it's the last minute, I decided I didn't want to cheat on my new wife. Let's just uh, go upstairs and uh, learn about the latest romance literature from Penguin Random House Books and uh, just stare at each other quietly from opposite ends of the room. And there you go. Why don't you just come on in? Oh, look at you. Uh, oh, you're wearing a, a BDSM leathers and whips and chains outfit. You finally got your shit together when we can't get naughty in the bedroom? I'm done. This, now you pull it together. Last time you dressed up as like a soccer mom or some sort of uh, business person. But now you flat out wear the classic uh, sexual outfit. Now, now when it's done, now when I have to find a new bit, fine. Oh, you got a book? The Season of Infidelity, BDSM Tales from the Classic Master. Onoruku Dan. Onoruku Dan. That's the author. And the cover of the book's got a woman all tied up, uh, and it looks very uh, sensual, and the words season of infidelity is just kind of across her legs. So that's cool, weird, all right, fine, whatever. The category's erotica. Uh, about the season of infidelity, BDSM tales from the classic master. Really, is Onoruku Dan the classic master? A collection of four pseudo-autobiographical tales from the leading Japanese erotic fiction and Pink movie writer Onoruku Dan. Season of Infidelity, the opening story from whence the title derives, tells the tale of the effects of a man telling his wife that he is a porn writer. She never knew until now. Both teaches at a junior high school in an idyllic lakeside town when they meet. The woman soon discovers her husband's secret life of writing porn novels, leading to him quitting his teaching job. He moves to Tokyo eh, and establishes Oni Productions uh, to produce the porn movies that he writes. He discovers his wife's infidelity with uh, a cow. I suck at this, an assistant, and confronts him, but is astonished and aroused by Kawata's candor about the relationship and his wife's aggressiveness in bed. Another uh, another story, they're going to really review every single story, all four of them. Pretty boy, ooh, a heterosexual college student falls for a gay male student. Kikuo, I suck at this, even though he was a, a steady girlfriend. One night after drinking together, back at the man's apartment, he confesses his feelings to Kikuo and reveals that he was raped by his uncle when he was seven and their intimate conversation leads to physical intimacy. Well, we're done reading about this book. That's the season of infidelity, BDSM tales from the classic master, Onoruku 
Dan. Uh, you can get a paperback for $14.95 from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. You can buy this at Walmart. Mother of Pearl. Well, that's coming out February 2nd, so you got time to decide if you want to read from the classic master of BDSM tales involving being raped by your uncle, Mother of Pearl. I'm glad that uh, this is the last time we're ever going to be in this room, because that was disgusting, you're disgusting, why don't you put your clothes back on, and we'll go back down to the uh, the library, what did I say it was called, the Library of the Damned, and uh, finish reading this story. Here we are, nuzzled back in the library of the damned. And, uh, uh you you put some pants on, but you're still wearing the leather, uh, up, up top part. That's gross. You're gross. Uh, why don't we get into the story? As she was one summer evening rambling to the sequestered spot that she had selected as her favorite residence, a slow step advanced toward her. Oh, she turned around and to her infant surprise, she discovered, oh, it's a stranger. Ah, oh, he stepped gaily to her side and commenced an animated conversation. You left me, exclaimed the delighted girl, and I thought all happiness was fled from me forever. But you return, eh? And shall we not be happy? Happy, replied the stranger, the one that probably killed her husband, with a scornful burst of derision. Can I ever be happy again? Can there? Uh, semicolon, dash. But excuse my agitation, my love, and, and impute it to the pleasure I experience at our meeting. Oh, exclamation point. I have many things to tell you. A-I-A-A-I. No, it's I. I don't know why I can't read this word. I did this last time, too, when I was reading uh, Peter Pan. It's A-Y-E, and it's supposed to be I, but uh, I keep saying it A, exclamation point, and many kind words to receive, semicolon. Uh, is it not so, comma, sweet one, question mark? Come, tell me truly, have you been happy in my absence? No. I see in that sunken eye, <laughs> that pallid cheek, and that poor wanderer has at last gained some slight interest in the heart of his beloved. Oh, I've roamed other climes. Eh? I've seen other nations. Oh, I've met with other, with other, with other females, beautiful and accomplished. Uh, but I have uh, met with one uh, angel, and she is here before me. Accept this simple offering of my affection, dearest. Continued the stranger, plucking a heath rose, whatever that is, from its stem. It is beautiful as the wild flowers that deck thy hair, and as sweet as the love I bear thee. It is indeed sweet, replied uh, Clotilda. It is the sweetness, whether whether I, night closes round. It is beautiful. So she doesn't care that he's like uh, insulted the shape of her head. It is beautiful, but its beauty is short-lived, as the love evinced by man. Not let this, then, be the type of thy attachment. Bring me the delicate evergreen, the sweet flower that blossoms throughout the year. And I will say, as I wreathe it in my hair, how much flowers has she put in her hair? She's just putting, like, cut grass in her hair at this point. The violets have bloomed and died. The roses have flourished and decayed. But the evergreen is still young. And so is the love of heart. You will not, cannot desert me. I live but in you. 
You are my hopes, my thoughts, my existence itself. Can we get it? And if I lose you, yep, I lose it all. Yep, I know. But uh, but as a solitary wildflower in the wilderness of nature, until you transplanted me to a more genial soil. This is getting weird. And then you can and now break the fond heart you first taught to glow with passion. Eh? Speak not thus, returned the stranger. It rends my very soul to hear you. Leave me, forget me, avoid me forever, or your eternal ruin must ensue. I am a thing abandoned of God and man but you do but see that you have scared my heart that scarcely beats within this moving mass of deformity you would flee me as you would an adder in your path oh like an adder like a, like a, like a snake I got it I didn't have to look that one up Here's my heart. Love, feel how cold it is. There is no pulse that betrays its emotion, for all is chilled and dead as the friends I once knew. You are unhappy, love, and your poor poor Clotilda shall slay to secure you. Think not that I can abandon you in the misfortunes. No, I will wander with thee throughout the wide world and, and be thy servant, thy slave. Ah, crap. That's gross after the BSM book we just read. And if thou wilt have it so, I will shield thee from the night winds uh, that they blow not too roughly on the unprotected head. I will defend thee from the tempest that howls around. And though uh, the cold world may devote thy name to scorn, uh, though friends may fall off and associates wither the grave, uh, we shall be one fond heart. Heart, who shall love thee better in thy misfortune and cherish thee, bless thee still. She doesn't seem to give a shit that this guy most likely killed her husband. She ceased, eh? And in her, her blue eyes swam in tears, and it turned glistening with affection towards the stranger. Oh, he averted his head from her gaze, and a scornful sneer, eh, of the darkest and the deadliest malice passed over his fine countenance. In an instant, the expression subsided, and his fixed glassy eye resumed its unearthly chilliness, and he turned once again to his companion. It is the hour of sunset, he exclaimed, the soft, the beauteous hour, when the hearts of lovers are are, are, uh, are, are happy, and the nature smiles in unison with their feelings, but uh, to me it will smile no longer. Ere the morrow dawns, I shall very far from the house of my beloved, from the scenes for which my heart is enshrined, as in a sepulcher. But uh, must I leave thee, dearest flower in the wilderness, eh, to be a sport of a whirlwind, a prey of a mountain blast? This is getting so annoying. No, we will not part, relied the impassioned girl. Where thou goest, that seems labored. That seems like that was forced. Where thou goest, well, I will go. Uh, thy home shall be my home. Eh? And uh, thy God shall be my God. Eh? Swear it. Swear it, resumed the stranger, wildly grasping her by the hand. Swear to the fearful oath that I shall dictate. I hate all this. I thought it was kind of good up till now. And then he, uh, and then he desired her to kneel holding his right hand in a menacing attitude towards heaven, and throwing back his his dark raven locks, exclaimed in a strain of bitter imprecation uh, with the ghastly smile of an incarnate fiend. May the curses of an offended god, he cried, haunt thee and cling thee forever in the tempest of the calm, and in the day and of the night, in the sickness and in the sorrow, in life and in death, uh, shouldest thou swerve for the promise thou hast here made to be mine. May the uh, dark spirits eh, of the damned howl eh, in thine ears at a cursed course. Frith- oh, uh, may their, 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 the air rack thy bosom hmm, 
with the quenchless flames of hell, exclamation point, may thou soul be the laser house of corruption, uh, where the ghost of departed pleasure sits enshrined, as in a, in a grave, uh, where the haunted uh, hundred worm never dies, where the fire is never extinguished. May the spirit of evil, Lord, uh, uh, it over thy bow and proclaim as thou passest by. This, this is all caps, this is the abandoned of God and a man, and may the fearful specters haunt thee in the night season, and may thy dearest friends drop day by day into the grave and curse thee with their dying breath, and may all that is the most horrible in human nature, more solemn than language can frame or lips can utter, may this and more of this be thy eternal position. This is all without a period. Uh, thou will violate the oath that, uh, that thou hast taken, period. My God, that was one long paragraph of nonsense. He ceased, hardly knowing what she did. A terrified girl acceded uh, to the awful adjuration and promised eternal fidelity to him uh, who was henceforth to be her lord. Spirits of the damned, I thank thee for thine assistance, shouted the stranger. Uh, I have wooed my fair bride bravely, really. She is mine, eh? mine forever. I, or a, body and soul, both mine, mine and life, mine death. Uh, what tears, my sweet one, yet, ere yet the honeymoon is past? Why, exclamation point, indeed has thou cast uh, a cause for weeping, uh, but when we next meet, we shall sign the nuptial bond. He then imprinted a cold salute on the cheek of his young bride and softened down the unutterable horribles, horrors of his countenance. I uh, requested her to meet him at eight o'clock on the ensuing evening at the chapel adjoining the castle of Hernswolf. She turned round to him with a burning sigh as if to implore protection from, uh, from her, himself, but the stranger was gone. On entering the castle, she was observed to be impressed with the deepest melancholy. Her relations vainly endeavored to ascertain the cause of her uneasiness, but the tremendous oath she had sworn completely paralyzed her faculties. Oh, and she was fearful of betraying herself in the slightest uh, intonation of her voice or of the least valuable expression of her countenance. When the evening was concluded, the family retired to rest, but Clotilda, who was unable to take repose for the restlessness of her disposition, requested to remain alone in the library that adjoined her apartment. All was now deep midnight. Every domestic had long since retired to the rest, and the only sound that could be distinguished was the sudden howl of the band dog as he bayed. In the waning moon, uh, Clotilda remained in the library in the attitude of deep meditation. The lamp that uh, burnt on the table where she sat was dying away, and the lower end of the apartment was already more than a half obscured. Uh, the clock from the northern angle of the castle, oh, the one that's got all the uh, suffering people in it, uh, told out the hour of twelve, and the sound echoed dismally in the solemn stillness of the night. Sudden, the oaken door at the farther end of the room was gently lifted on its latch, and a bloodless figure, appareled in habiliments, all right, of the grave, advanced slowly up the apartment. No sound heralded his approach as he moved noiseless steps to the table where the lady was stationed. Oh, oh, she did not perceive it. Until uh, she felt a death-cold hand fast gripped in her own and heard a solemn voice whisper in her ear, Clotilda. <laughs> she looked up. A dark figure was standing beside her and endeavored to scream, but the voice was unequal to the exertion. Her eye, the oh, with that one sunken eye, was fixed as if by magic on the form which slowly removed the garb that concealed its countenance. I disclosed the livid eyes of a skeleton shape of her father. Oh, Dad came back to talk about it. 
It seems to gaze on her with pity, a regret, and mournfully exclaim, Oh, Clotilda, the dresses and the servants are ready, the church bell is tolled, and the priest is at the altar, but but where is the affinced, affianced, affianced, whatever, bride? Uh, There is room for her in the grave, and tomorrow she'll be with me. Tomorrow, faltered the distracted girl, the spirits of hell shall have registered it, and tomorrow must be the bond be canceled. The figure ceased slowly. See, one thing is, you cannot know who's talking in this story, because it says tomorrow, in quotes, faltered the distracted girl, semicolon, then in other quotes, on the same line, the spirits of hell shall have registered it and tomorrow the bond must be canceled. Then I guess that's the dad. The figure ceased, slowly retired, and soon was lost in the obscurity of distance. Morning, evening arrived, and already as the hall clock struck eight, Clotilda was on her road to the chapel. It was a dark, gloomy night, and thick masses of dun clouds, whatever that is, sailed across the firmament, and the roar of the winter wind echoed awfully through the forest trees. She reached the appointed place. A figure was waiting for her. It advanced and discovered the features of the stranger. Why, uh, this is well, my bride, he exclaimed with a sneer. And well, I will repay thy fondness. Follow me. They proceeded together in silence through the winding avenues of the chapel until they reached the uh, adjoining cemetery. Here they paused for an instant, and the stranger, in a softened tone, said, Oh, oh, but one of one hour more, and the struggle will be over. And yet, this heart of incarnate malice... Oh, people walk around upstairs. Uh, can feel when it devotes so young, so pure of spirit, the grave. But it must, it must be, he proceeded as the memory of her past love rushed into mind, for the friend whom I obey is uh, so wielded. Poor girl, I am leading thee indeed to our nuptials, but in the priest will be death. Oh, thy parents, the moldering skeletons that rot in the heaps of the ground, and the witness in our union, the lazy, the lazy worms, revel in the carious bones of the dead. Come. My young bride, the priest is impatient for its victim. As they proceeded, a dim blue light moved swiftly before them and displayed at the extremity of the church here at the portals of the vault. Oh, it's open, eh? And they entered in silence. The hollow wind came rushing through the gloomy abode of the dead. And on every side were piled moldering remnants of coffins, which dropped piece by piece upon the damp mud. Every step they took was on a dead body, and the bleached bones rattled horribly underneath their feet. In the center of the vault rose a heap of unburied skeletons, <laughs> whereupon there was seated a figure too awful even for the darkest imagination to conceive. Oh, is that his way of not having to write about it? And as they approached it, the hollow, yeah, the, he's just not going to write about it. <laughs> as they approached it, the hollow vault rung with a hellish peal of laughter, and every moldering corpse seemed endued with unholy life. The stranger paused as he grasped the victim in his hand, and one sigh burst from his heart. One tear glistened in his eye. But it was for an instant. The figure frowned awfully at his vacillation and waved his gaunt hand. The stranger advanced, semicolon. He made certain mystic circles in the air, uh, uttered unearthly words, and paused in excess of terror. On a sudden, he raised his voice and wildly exclaimed, Spouse of the spirit of darkness! (laughs) A few moments are yet thine, that thou mayst know to whom thou hast consigned thyself. I am the undying spirit of the wretch who cursed with a T, his savior on the cross. He looked at me in closing hour of his existence, and that look hath not yet passed away. For I am cursed with a T, burp, above all of earth. 
I am eternally condemned to hell, and I must cater for my master's taste till the world is parched as a scroll, and the heavens and the earth have passed away. I am he whom uh, thou mayst have read, and of whose feats thou mayst have heard. A million souls has my master condemned me to ensnare, and then my penance is accomplished, and I may know the repose of the grave. Uh, thou art the thousandth soul that I have damned. I saw thee eh, in thy hour of purity, and I marked thee at once for my home. Thy father did I murder. Oh, my kid came down. What's going on? Oh, no. Uh, for the listeners, as I explained, my cat is uh, kind of on his way out. Uh, apparently, the other cats are snuggling up to him, which yeah. is super sad and super sweet. I got to wrap this thing up and go hang out with them. No, oh, poor six. I'm going to have to bury a cat tonight, probably. The night before my nuptials. <laughs> well, thanks for telling me that in the middle of my show. Bye. I was trying to keep an upbeat attitude, and I'm still fighting to do it, but then you Maybe came I down. Well, great, thanks. Picture. What? Took you took a pic? Don't take pictures. Can I tell you a horrible secret? It's a sad moment, but it will be in my phone forever. Oh, that is super sweet. Oh, my heart is breaking. I gotta wrap this crap up. I gotta tend to a dying cat and get married. <laughs> You're up there microwaving next to all that? Yes. Uh, I've situated my cat in the kitchen. Uh, I know, and I love that we're just still going to walk around getting food. Oh, this poor little guy. He's my little buddy. All right, well, I'm going to have to struggle through this last <laughs> thing. Bye. Thanks, turd. <laughs> ah, a lot of crap going on here around the house. Uh, let's keep back in here. Thy father did I murder for his timidity and permitted thee uh, to ward thee of thy fate. And myself have I beguiled for thy simplicity. Ha! Exclamation point. The spell works bravely, and thou shalt soon see, my sweet one, uh, to whom thou hast linked thine undying fortunes. For as long as the seasons shall move of their course of nature, as long as the lightning shall flash and the thunders roll, thy penance shall be eternal. Look below! Exclamation point, And see what thou hast destined. She looked, and the vault split in a thousand different directions. The earth yawned asunder, and the roar of mighty waters was heard. A living ocean of molten fire glowed in the abyss beneath her, and uh, blending with the shrieks of the dam, and the triumphant shouts of the fiends, rendered horror more horrible than imagination. Ten million souls were writhing in the fiery flames, and the boiling billows dashed them against the blackened rocks of adamant. Oh, they cursed with the blasphemies of despair, and each curse echoed in thunder across the waves. Uh, the stranger rushed toward the victim, and for an instant, uh, he he held her over the burning vista, looked fondly in her face, eh, and wept as he were a child. This was the best impulse of the moment. Again, he grasped her arms and then dashed her uh, from him with a fury. And as uh, her last party glance was cast in kindness on his face, shouted aloud, uh, Not mine is the crime, but the religion that thou hast professed. For it is not said that there is a fire of eternity prepared for the souls of the wicked, and has not thou incurred its torments? She, poor girl, heard not, and uh, heeded not the shouts of the blasphemer. Her delicate form uh, bounded from rock to rock, over billow, over foam, and as she fell, the ocean lashed itself as if it were in triumph to receive her soul, and she sunk deep into the burning pit. Ten thousand voices reverberated for the bottomless abyss. Spirit of evil, here indeed is the eternity of torments prepared for thee. For here the worm never dies, and the fire is never quenched. 
Then at the bottom it just says William Harrison Ainsworth, 1805 to 1882. Well, um, that was a, not exactly a spectral bride like I was expecting. Uh, she's alive the whole time, but uh, I guess she's dead now. Well, with that, why don't we return to the, uh, what do I have in my notes? Uh, the haunted smoking room. I really wasn't very creative with this. Why don't we go to the haunted smoking room uh, where we can review what the hell we just read. Well, there you go. Now you're getting all settled here in the, in the, what did I call it again? The haunted smoking room. Jesus. Um, let's recap the story. Uh, basically, this, uh, guy is rich and famous and he's, oh, I forgot about the crows. Uh, yeah. Well, we got the crows back in here. Instead of the, uh, birds that my wife has placed in here, uh, she's replaced them with crows because she thought it'd be cute and they're loud and annoying. Uh, this guy's uh, rich, famous. He's got a big, famous castle. He uh, makes friend, marries that friend's daughter, or something like that. I forget. Who cares? And then, um, then all of a sudden, he's having a big party that goes all night long. Uh, a guy in black clothes shows up like a jerk, and uh, somehow gets everyone to feel good about him. And then, uh, then he just kind of doesn't leave. He's there for the weekend, and then kills the husband, and then just disappears. So clearly, he's a murderer, but nobody seems to care. The woman, uh, Cloaca. Is that her name? She uh, she said that she, uh, you know, I love this guy and I can't get over him. He comes back and uh, then he damns her to hell, which is apparently because he uh, messed with Jesus. And uh, that's pretty much what's going to happen every time you mess with Jesus. Uh, what's good? I don't know. The story is okay. It definitely started out okay. Uh, creepy guy walks in. Everyone's uncomfortable. It's kind of like Mask of the Red Death. I was kind of enjoying it. But uh, the last part where they started talking about how much they love each other was getting laborious. Uh, what sucks? How much they talked about they love each other got laborious. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I wanted a ghost bride. There was no ghost bride. I got this because I'm married now and I wanted a specter bride story. But nope. Didn't get a specter bride story. Just got a woman that died at the end. That was not what I was looking for. What did we learn? Um, just because a guy's brooding and dark doesn't mean they're a good person. It means they're too into themselves. They're too into how people perceive them. It's kind of like people that are really into emo shit and they always dress dark and have cool hair or whatever, but uh, they're probably not cool like that. They're probably very annoying. Uh, they dress a certain way because they want you to see a certain way, and then they just like complain about like, oh, I played Pokemon Go and I can't get the guy I want. We're going to have to we have to drive to Wisconsin because I heard that's where you can get the, the, the one Pokemon you want to capture or whatever. And then you're just like, God, I married you. Where's the brooding where you sit and, and, and ponder all the death that has happened over the centuries? Like, I don't do that anymore because I've been playing Pokemon Go and I got to get this guy that looks like a fish with a lightning rod going through him. And I got to get it. And you got to drive to Wisconsin to get it because there's this one spot. And she's like, Jesus Christ, you are not cool at all. So with that, uh, I'm going to let you go because I got to go deal with a cat. My poor little buddy who is upstairs passing away. And uh, and then get ready for the wedding. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. Tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. 
No, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend and also a, a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No. But if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's at uh, HouseNuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at HouseNuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left. 